Welcome to the Rebel Heart Coaching Podcast, where BSN registered nurse, integrative health practitioner, and board certified life coach, Samantha Shatek teaches you how to go beyond managing your circumstances and start intentionally creating a life you love using her proven strategies. Hi, you. Hello. I am so happy and I'm feeling much better than I was on the last podcast where I wasn't feeling so great, but I am feeling real good and I am ready to dive into this episode. We are talking today, we're doing the fourth in a series of four about our feel-good neurotransmitters, and we're talking today about endorphins, the painkiller. So I know you're interested because we all have pain, emotional, physical, spiritual, and otherwise, and I'm going to be diving in a little bit to our endorphins. So come in with me, let's go. So just to start out with, with a little bit of a definition, you know that I love science, I love metaphysics, I love art too, but let's just talk about what endorphins are. So endorphins are our body's natural painkillers, and they're often referred to as nature's morphine. They are a group of hormones that are secreted within our brain and nervous system, just like the other neurotransmitters we've talked about. And they have several physiological functions. They are a class of neurotransmitters and they're inhibitory. So what that means is they block other signals from occurring. Specifically, endorphins will block our pain signals, which is fantastic. They are specifically peptides, which activate our body's natural opiate receptors. And this causes an analgesic effect analgesic just means pain relief or pain relieving effects. Your body will release endorphins naturally in response to stress or pain because our bodies are super wise and they know what's up. But also we release endorphins during other activities that I'm going to mention later in this episode, like eating exercising, or having sex. Scientists have now isolated about 20 different types of endorphins, but beta endorphins are the most studied, and these are typically the ones that we know of that are associated with what you've probably heard as runner's high. These healthy levels of endorphins can help people deal with our physical pain. It can help with moodiness, And also they help with anxiety and depression. And if you have endorphin levels that are too low, we might see things like more body aches and pains and trouble sleeping and more addiction. Because our endorphins help relieve our stress, researchers and scientists have speculated that when we have too few, this can contribute to higher anxiety. And studies have shown that Anxiety is definitely more likely if you have this lower level. They also help us cope in a response to a stressful experience. So I'm going to just talk a little bit about the function of our endorphins. And as I mentioned, the first one is to relieve pain. They're most known for blocking or easing the intensity of our pain. And this is considered 
the main function. So your body will release endorphins as an immediate response to any painful stimulus. And this pain relief is very short lived. But what happens that's so cool is the release of endorphins also triggers the release of other feel good chemicals that we've talked about, such as dopamine. And dopamine has a longer lasting effect than endorphins do. But endorphins play an important role in sometimes triggering these other feel-good hormones. So that's an important thing to know. It also helps regulate our immune and inflammatory responses. So that's super important because endorphins are decreasing inflammation in our body and generally calming our immune system. And this effect is what keeps you from maybe experiencing as of intense reactions to everything that will trigger your immune system. So for example, maybe you're allergic to pollen in the summer or in, you know, seasonally, but if you have more endorphins in your system, theoretically, the reaction to any trigger will be minimized. So that's super cool. And then the other thing that it does is it helps reduce stress in our body. So, you know, whenever we're under stress, endorphins are released to kind of help calm things down and allow you internally to cope with the stress appropriately. And this includes everything on this physiological level from lowering your body temp to slowing your heart rate. Here's an example. So let's say you are a part of a high stress activity like skydiving. So what happens is if you jump out of that plane, you're going to experience a spike in endorphins both before and after the activity because the endorphins will counter the stress of your initial fear or anticipation, but then they'll also help relieve the stress afterwards in your body. Super cool. I I love that aspect. Our bodies are just so amazing, y'all. They're just so intelligent. And I think we just forget to give them enough credit that when we can let our bodies do what they're supposed to do and we can facilitate our bodies in many different ways to do what they're supposed to do, it's just an amazing thing because our bodies are intelligent beyond I think what we can even sometimes comprehend. So another thing that endorphins do, as I've mentioned, is it triggers the release of our friend that we already spoke about, dopamine. So endorphins are released, as I mentioned, they're released right away. They're kind of the first responder. When the activity is ongoing, the release of endorphins will send a signal to these other neurons in our body to release the dopamine. And this dopamine effect lasts longer So we have kind of this nice protection, if you will, internally to help our bodies cope with pain and stress. I will say that when we use opioids over the counter and we take opioids or if we have a surgery, this can trigger an excess release of dopamine as well. And this is partly why opioids are so addictive because we get these excessively high hits of dopamine, which we did talk about in the dopamine episode. I just want to talk about what are the ways that you can boost your endorphins. And there's more than I'm going to talk about nine. So I'm going to give you nine options, but there's probably more than that. I just wanted to address some of the major ways. So the first one, and I know we have probably heard of all of these, but it's just a super good and potent reminder 
to give context to why you're doing what you're doing and why you're doing a morning routine and just to give you awareness and good reminders about things that are really helpful internally for your body and for your brain and for your spirit and just for your wellness and your well-being. So the first of nine, I'm going to go through the list here. The first one is to share a good laugh with friends or loved ones. So we all know that laughter is powerful medicine and it definitely reduces stress and it'll increase your pain tolerance. And so for some reason, out of all of the laughter, when we're laughing like socially together, it seems to have the greatest potential to release endorphins. If you think about like if you're laughing alone at something at a movie or like at a, on, if you're on social media and you're on a meme, it's so much better if you're together or if you're in a big crowd, like say at a comedy show. That's so much fun to laugh with other people. And then for me, it seems like then you end up laughing at people's laugh, right? Like it's really contagious. So apart from feeling good and the increased pain tolerance that laughter brings, it also creates this social bond and this connection. I guess, you know, one thing I would encourage you to do is just think about the different types of things that normally make you laugh. So whenever you're feeling stressed or worried, you could have a list or think about those things in order to make yourself laugh so you can get that endorphin rush. So maybe just have that list on hand and remind yourself, what do you think is funny and what can you do that creates lightheartedness or laughter? Another thing on this list that I think is super important is giving to those in need. So when we give or we have altruistic behavior, it'll increase the production of endorphins in your own brain. And so what's cool is when you're helping someone else, you're actually getting a helper's high where you get that warm, fuzzy feeling. And it's because you're triggering some feel-good chemicals in your own brain. It triggers your own reward system. And it'll also then, of course, trigger other feel-good chemicals that kind of make you feel euphoric, peaceful, and more socially connected like we've talked about. And besides that, on another side note, when we can give, that creates an abundance for us and a an attraction for money and abundance and other forms that we keep that cycle of giving and receiving going. There's a really awesome book that I read actually pretty recently, and I'm not thinking of the name of it now, but a part of creating and manifesting is definitely giving. Not only does it feel good, it just creates a feedback loop that completes the cycle of giving and receiving and, you know, taking it back to the episode that I recorded about duality and polarity, we can't receive and not give or we can't give and not receive vice versa. You know, if you're feeling like stuck or stagnant, I always just encourage like giving a little bit of money away or paying for the coffee to the person who's behind you in line or, you know, doing something just just a little bit of giving can go a long way in getting you out of a funk and creating more of an energy flow in your life, whether that's money or other things as well. So the next thing that we can do to bolster our friend in our body is exercise for at least 20 minutes every day. Any exercise we'll do here, pick something that you love. If you like what you're doing and you don't really view it as a total chore, then you're going to be more likely to do it each day. Even if it's just a brisk walk while you're listening to a podcast or whatever it is for you, 
that's wonderful. And here's a fun side note that I wanted to talk about. So exercise does boost your endorphins, but because endorphins actually can't cross our blood-brain barrier, scientists have determined that this so-called runner's high that we get is actually not directly related to the endorphin rush. It's related to what endorphins trigger. And there is a lot of science and there's more studies being done that it is most likely caused by endocannabinoids. So we have endogenous endocannabinoid receptors in our own body. And this is thought to be the chemical neurotransmitter that is released that gets through our blood-brain barrier that makes us feel like we have that runner's high. So just thought that that was really interesting that without the endorphins, the endorphins then create a cascade with other chemicals that make us feel good, but the endorphins is a big part of that initial cascade. Another thing that we've talked about before, and this is applicable and relevant for the other feel-good neurotransmitters as well, but listening to or playing your favorite music is another way. So studies show that people who play music in particular together will have a higher threshold for pain. In these particular studies, a person's perception of their pain threshold acts as a stand-in for the release of endorphins. So simply listening to music, though, even if you're not playing music with other people, does have a similar effect. And even though listening to music alone probably won't do the trick, but if you're dealing with something really painful like a toothache, it can help you take your mind off it a little, which could at least decrease the intensity of the feeling. So just remembering that listening to music seems to not only help with endorphins, but all of the other neurotransmitters. Another thing that I know is talked about a lot, but it's still not to be underestimated and taken lightly, which is practicing yoga and meditation because studies just consistently show that when we do yoga, meditation, or deep breathing exercises actually is another one. You've probably heard maybe Wim Hof and his breathing exercises and his tagline is get high on your own supply. When you incorporate either this deep breathing or these breathing exercises, yoga, and or meditation into your daily routine, it can gradually increase your overall level of endorphins. And these practices obviously also have a calming effect on your mind and body, which helps reduce your overall stress and lower your risk for many diseases. And honestly, y'all, it only takes a few minutes a day to get a benefit. If you're intimidated or you don't have a lot of time, you can just start with a short minute or two meditation or a short guided breathing exercise. It doesn't have to be this long drawn out thing. Now, if you have more time and want to dedicate more time and you've been practicing, that's wonderful. But just know that it's better to start and do a little than to do nothing. Another benefit comes from dark chocolate or spicy food. So when you have some dark chocolate or spicy food, your body will release endorphins and spicy food also does the same thing because the heat causes you pain. But in response to that pain, your body will release endorphins, which gives you a little bit more of a sense of happiness and relief. And (laughs) I guess if you really want to go for it, you could try some dark chocolate flavored with peppers for a full on endorphin rush. (laughs) And then the next one is engaging in sexual activity. 
So it might surprise you that scientists don't know actually that much about the role of endorphins in human sexuality. But what they do know is that your body releases a burst of endorphins in response to sexual activity and orgasm. And also some researchers believe that this might play a role regulating sexual function in general, and that there's speculation that higher endorphin levels will contribute to feelings of attachment and bonding between sexual partners, which we talked about last week as well with our neurochemical. So I'm getting the idea here, and I think you're probably getting the idea that all of these feel-good hormones connect and relate to one another, and they all kind of go hand in hand, triggering one another to support us. Another one that is trying acupuncture. The acupuncture, if you've ever had it, increases our circulating endorphins. And a lot of studies have shown that there are a lot more endorphins in our bloodstream when we get acupuncture. And because it's safe, you could at least try it and see if it resonates with you. And just so you know, there are also community clinics in most major cities at this point that are more affordable and you can try it out in a community setting if getting individual acupuncture is either unaffordable or unappealing. And then the last one that I have here on this list, which I'm sure is not all encompassing, is essential oils. So there's a lot more studies now about the mood enhancing effects and the feel good nature of using essential oils. Essential oils are oils that have been distilled from nature, different properties, different roots, different herbs have been distilled down and nutrients in the plant or the herb are then transferred to you. So essential oils, they're good for so many different reasons. Endorphins, triggering them is definitely one. I just want to segue now into a few health conditions that are connected to endorphins. And the first one, no surprise, is depression. So an activation of opioid receptors will relieve the symptoms of depression. Researchers and scientists think that it might cause the receptors to malfunction when we have depression and not take in endorphins that they should be. And also medications that target opioid receptors could represent a new treatment approach that might combat the disease with medication. Also, some studies have shown that people with depression have overactive endorphins. So essentially, their bodies release endorphins in response to things that normally would not trigger a release of endorphins in people without depression. And this would just be further proof that the receptors, for some reason, are off balance or not functioning properly. Another health condition that could be related and is shown to be related to endorphins is fibromyalgia. This is the chronic pain condition and a lot of health professionals don't understand this yet, but basically their pain regulation is disrupted. Uh, What they do know is that people with fibromyalgia tend to produce more endorphins than people without the condition and this leads researchers to suspect that the condition may damage endorphin receptors. This also could explain why sometimes people with fibromyalgia actually don't get pain relief from opioids. So really interesting there. Also, another issue is chronic headaches or migraines. So people who have chronic headaches or migraines will typically have lower levels of endorphins circulating in their bloodstream and their cerebral spinal fluid. And so since endorphins act as a pain reliever, researchers believe that when you have these low levels of endorphins, they might be partially to blame for the headaches, maybe not completely. 
but another thing to remember is that endorphins counteract inflammation and we can have inflammation in our brain that cause headaches, particularly migraines. So if we increase endorphins, that could reduce the frequency and severity of headaches. Another chronic issue, anxiety and PTSD. Because endorphins help relieve stress and pain, researchers think that if we have a deficiency of endorphins, it can contribute to higher anxiety and that anxiety is more likely if you have lower overall levels of endorphins because endorphins aid in coping behavior to a stressful experience. A lack of endorphins may lead to an inability to cope appropriately, which then would result in anxiety and panic. Another thing linked to endorphins is Alzheimer's disease and dementia, because a lot of studies have noted that lower levels of endorphins, specifically these beta endorphins in the brains of people with Alzheimer's have been shown. So if there's low endorphins, it's believed to be related to the cause of the disease rather than its severity. And more severe cases tend to have lower levels than moderate cases. So basically what this means is that when you have a low level of endorphins in the brain, it could prevent your brain from making new neural connections that are necessary for growth, learning, and formation of memories. So that's what that means. And then I had the question myself. So, well, can you have too many endorphins? And and even though in some of these chronic health conditions, it was being experienced that the person had too many endorphins. It's thought maybe just because there was something going on with the receptor and having too many endorphins is actually possible, but it's pretty rare. Typically, that only happens in people who are engaging in heavy opioid use. Outside of opioid addiction or high usage, your body typically won't produce more endorphins than you need. And excess endorphins can be typically treated with an antagonist that we know of, such as naltrexone or naloxone, which then blocks the opioid. That was a whole bunch of information, a whole bunch of nerding out about opioids and about endorphins and about neurotransmitters and about pain relief. But just to summarize it, I want to just encourage you to think about the things that you're doing hopefully every day or the things that you're thinking about incorporating into your routine, they are multifunctional and multifaceted. So the act of you doing something simple like listening to a song you love and singing along or singing along in the car with someone on a road trip, that actually could have profound effects on your physical health, your mental health, and your well-being. Also, just to not underestimate the power of what you're doing of taking a five and 10 minute walk has multiple benefits. Having some time to meditate, eating some dark chocolate in moderation, like you're boosting your endorphins. And I think that, you know, it's always about progress, never about perfection. I just want to leave you with the idea that even if you don't take anything from this episode, I hope you take that Your body is incredible. And when we give it what it needs and we are connected with what it needs, everything else is going to flow from there. And another thing I hope you take 
in general from all of my episodes is that beating yourself up and talking to yourself like an asshole is never the answer. No matter where you're at in your journey, I want you to just ask yourself, are you being gentle with yourself? Because you can be disciplined and fierce But you can also be gentle and love yourself and not beat yourself up because the beating yourself up part, that's what holds you back. But if you start talking to yourself better and picking yourself up and doing the best every day, that's the stuff that's going to help you move forward, even if it's in just little increments one step at a time. That's how we make progress. I want to ask you, what can you do to increase your endorphins today? Can you create more laughter I want you to pick one or two things. And if you're already doing these things, I want you to pick one or two more things that you will commit to doing that's sustainable for you to increase specifically your endorphins. Do you want to laugh more? Maybe it's once a month you go to a comedy show. Do you want to start giving? Even if it's only $5, $10, $15 here and there, do you want to start giving? Do you want to start exercising or do you want to start exercising more or maybe doing a different exercise than you've been doing? Do you want to listen to your favorite music more? Maybe in the car, maybe in the gym, maybe just because, maybe when you're cooking, that's the time that you listen to music. Do you want to start yoga and or meditation? And remember, a meditation can be a guided thing that you do on YouTube that's two minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour long thing, although it can be. Do you want to start eating dark chocolate and spicy foods? Now, I hope that you do something else other than eat dark chocolate, but dark chocolate is actually really medicinal if you're getting a high quality, high percentage dark chocolate. Sexual activity. Can you commit if you are with someone to connect with your partner or with yourself? What about acupuncture? Are you open to exploring acupuncture? Maybe you have a health condition that you want to work on and acupuncture could help that and simultaneously boost your endorphin level. Or have you been curious about essential oils or if you already use essential oil, how could you incorporate that more into your day, into your life? Maybe you could get an essential oil diffuser for your house or office. Maybe you could start using a room spray with essential oil and water. You just put a few drops of the oils you love in a spray bottle with some water and you can spray it into your pillow or on your face or into the room. So those are just nine suggestions. And I want you to pick one or two that you think you can commit to, to increasing your endorphins level, but knowing that it's going to affect so many other things in your life in such a positive way. I love you. Thank you for being with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to just turn this on, whether you're in the car, on a walk, at the gym, Maybe you're in your living room, maybe you're in the bath, but wherever you are, I'm loving you and I'm so proud of you and I can't wait to be with you next week. And hey, I also want to invite you to join me for my six-month coaching program. I'll work with just you one-on-one and I'm going to help you get the results that I know you can get. I promise your life will be different. Go to www.rebelheartcoaching.com to sign up for a consult today. I'll see you inside.